All right, uh, Boker Tov. Today's stuff is Kufav 106. We're a little behind. We pick up on Kufav Amud Bet. And um, the Gemara starts with, we are with Amar of Wood Shmuel. No, I'm sorry. Um, Tanya, Amar Ben Azai. So it starts with the word Ben Azai. It's about... Uh, about 15 or 18 lines from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Line starts mm-hmm. with Kufay Amud Bet. What I say? Kufav? I'm sorry. Kufay Amud Bet. It's Daf is Kufav. We start in Kufay Amud Bet. Amar Ben Asai. Gimel Shvuotain. There are three Shvuot. Okay. I mean, we're dealing with somebody who takes a Shvuot to deny that he has somebody's property or lost object. What do you have with this object? Oh, I found it, etc. So a little bit we're talking on lost objects. Although now we move from a Shvuot that somebody is denying that he's holding property incorrectly from a Shvuot of Edus. One of the cases in the end of Parshas Vayikra is that somebody s- denies that he has testimony. He knows testimony to his friend, uh, you know, um, and no? um, and um, he takes a shvua that he doesn't have testimony. So here the question is, first of all, normal testimony that's going to be effective is two witnesses, right? So ha- what if it's only one witness? And so here... Take right, so that's what we're going to look at. So here you approach a person and you say... I approach, um, I, you know, I approach Michael here and I say, Michael, I think David took my lost object. We were just talking about somebody finding a lost object and not returning it. Like, do you know any testimony? Have you seen that? Have you seen that David took my lost object? Because if so, I need you to come and take testify to that so I can get my lost object back from him. He's denying he has it, okay? And you take an oath that you don't know of any, of any such, uh, you know, you don't know of any such thing. But it turns out you did know something, okay? So let's take a look. Give us sure thing. There are three types of, of shuas that somebody could take falsely when he's being asked to testify. I'm sorry, did I skip a line? But I was like, Gimel and I'm sorry, I skipped up a line. Um, you actually, Michael, I said, did you know, did you see anybody with my lost object, etc.? Now, you knew that that cow wandering around was mine, but you didn't know who it was who found it. So you denied you knew anything. Okay, you saw somebody find it, but you don't know who, so you denied you didn't know anything, and you took an oath you didn't know anything. Or, you knew that somebody found a lost object, but you didn't know for sure that it was my cow. Okay, so you also took an oath to me that you didn't know anything. That's not true. You knew somebody found an object. You can't be, you weren't certain it was mine, but you knew somebody found a lost object. You can't the intersection between lines. It's not like, remember? Well, that's what, well, okay, that's true, but that's not our, that's not our case. No, this case, I understand, but we can't get into that now. Okay, you did know this fact, but you swore you knew nothing. Lobav Lobimotza. Or, you swore, you didn't, you, you didn't know who, that, that there was a lost object, and you didn't know who found it. So the Gemara says, one minute. If that's true, if that's the case, you didn't know anything, then obviously you're saying the truth. So you're swearing truthfully. You don't know anything about it. Okay, aim us to find. Switch the gears. The exact opposite. You knew who found it and you knew whose lost object was. So you knew some piece of the facts or all of the facts and you took a note that you knew nothing. So, and so here's the question. That's three interesting scenarios of you swearing about a lost object. Now what's the halacha about those cases? Do you bring a, shru, a korban or not for shru sa'edus? So it says, my heel, for what purpose are we teaching this? Ravami Amar Ravami Ravami says the name of Ravchanina in all those cases Michael is Potter even if he knows that David found it and it was my object and he swears he doesn't know anything so, we, so okay we're going to see about that Shmuel Amar no he's Chayev not only is he Chayev when he knows it was my object and David found it but even if he only knows one of the pieces of evidence he should come and testify because that could ultimately produce my lost object if he knows David found it and he wasn't sure what 
it was. He goes and he testifies, David, you found the lost object, and David might wind up, it might not be mine, but it might be, and that might cause David to force David to admit or whatever. Now, if you know the object, then you don't know who. It's a little bit more difficult. But Rashi says, well, you could tell me the region you saw it in, and I'll go ask around in that, you know, in that area. Of course, then it sounds more like, you know, like uh, police doing uh, an investigation rather than somebody coming to testify. But anyway, the idea that your putter is pretty surprising since you know, especially in the last case. So let's take a look. So the says, What's the debate? The debate uh, of a 1A coming to testify about something is that does he bring a Korban Shua? It's tied into this debate of Tanaim. So somebody who causes 1A to take testify. It's not like I say, the two of you saw something come and testify and you both take an oath. That presumably we're saying is the Pashat case in the Torah because it's a testimony of two. Wait, it starts to come together or let's say you saw it from here and I saw it from there. Yeah, those are all good questions and I can't get into them. I go, I'm sorry. Okay, but the, the, the Pashat case in the Torah, quote-unquote Pashat, is that two witnesses are denying they know testimony and they're both swearing because then they really are take, holding back something that would make me win my case. Now, of course, how could I be Mechai of both of you when you swear? Each one of you could say, well, I was swearing, but I didn't know Michael was going to swear. I didn't swear. I didn't know David was going to swear. So that's an important question. Again, we're not going to go into that, but we're going to say that's, of course, a case where clearly the withholding of testimony is stopping me from winning my case. Okay? I guess you could also have a scenario it just occurs to me that I already have one aid Michael's already testifying that Joe borrowed money from me and then I go to David and I say David if you come you'll be the second witness okay so that could be an easier case where your oath is clearly preventing me from winning my case but here it's only one witness the best one witness can do for me is make the other guy take an oath is that enough Den- refusing testimony denying testimony when it's not clearly causing me a loss it's only causing me to not, not make, make the other guy take an oath. And this is similar to the discussion yesterday, because you remember the discussion yesterday was if somebody takes an oath, let's say that he doesn't have Chometz Shavar of a Pesach, right? The oath doesn't directly cause a loss, but it might indirectly cause a loss. Okay, so this is a case about an oath of Edus, which might indirectly cause a loss. Okay, so Pabluk Sadahani Tanai, the Tani, we turn to Brisa. Where were we? Am I? Mark, uh, um, you're exempt because it didn't directly cause any loss. He's lying. What's Even though denying the testimony is not directly causing loss, it might indirectly because if the, if, if, if the aid would come, the guy would have to swear. He might not want to swear, etc. So that fact that it could indirectly cause a loss maybe is enough to make him chayev. No, that's not enough in this case. Okay. So in that way, it was parallel to the earlier discussion about denying somebody something like Chometz Ravalava Pesach, where it might indirectly cause a loss. Okay, so the message is like this. Amar Rav Sheshes, HaKovr B'Pikadon. Now we're going on to a new topic. We should have really finished that yesterday. Amar Rav Sheshes, HaKovr B'Pikadon. They don't resolve that. Okay, HaKovr B'Pikadon. Now somebody basically denies that, uh, this is again the classic case in the Torah, you know, we're dealing with the guy who takes an oath, I didn't steal, and he stole, and he adds a fifth. So before we even get to the oath, Michael has given me his iPhone, um, we can make it, we, we can do sort of, we can be fair with the brands, like we can do Samsung, I just got that for my son. His Samsung 7 to watch, okay, and then and it, blows it, and, and it blows up, and I've been dying to get this, because it's got the whole new virtual reality headset, that's why my son was dying to get it. Anyway, so he then he says to me, Dove, where's the Samsung? I asked you to hold on for me, and I say, I don't have it. You never gave it to me. I didn't take an oath. If I take an oath, 
I had Chayev the principal and a fifth and a Korban. I didn't take an oath. So at this stage, I just have to return it. But that's not our interest. Our interest is the following. Nafel of Gazan. The moment I said, you're, I don't have it, I don't know what you're talking about, I become a Gazan. Is that the moment you appropriate it for yourself? Well, I was always in my possession. You no. gave it to me. What do you mean appropriate it? You started using it. You're no, no. So you don't have to use it. Nope, you don't have to use it. As soon as I deny... I use it first. Then I'm, then maybe, right. That probably, yes. Shlichus Yad is a different case, and yes. But without that, as my just denying it is so now it's in my possession I denied it was his that's its act of stealing it okay so that moment I become a Gosselin the Chayib Onsen and even without a Shuabase did no just on the street you say to me could you give me back my phone next week and I say I don't know what the heck you're talking about you never gave me a phone okay at that moment that I am denying it I am essentially taking it for myself even though I did no physical act and I become a Gosselin and if anything happens even if I'm not to blame I'm Chayib because now I stole it and I have to reimburse Michael like any Goslin has to reimburse even if an accident happens. The Tanatuna, we talked similarly in, in the Mishnah, V'kichesh, or in the Breita, V'kichesh ba, this is a, uh, on, the, on the Pesukim in the Torah, it says he denies it and he swears falsely. So, the, so it's going to work through what happens at each stage, even before the swearing. Okay, so you denied that you won't have somebody's pikadon. Lamanu onish, we know the punishment. Yeah, but it includes everything. Uh, but yes, but we're not limiting it to that. Okay, Lamanu onish, we know the punishment. Now it doesn't say what the punishment is. What do you mean we know the punishment? The punishment for a shrua is that you add the fifth. But here, it's what we're assuming is the punishment is that you become a gazan and you're chay of the principal. As soon as you do the act of the kicheshba, as soon as you do the act of denying it. Where do you know that you're not allowed to deny? Okay, it says, do not deny. And this is understood in the context of, you know, of denying in a way that effectively is misappropriating. So my love doesn't matter. I mean, whatever. You know, you can have him later. That proves that. My love, onish mamon. So you see, it says you're punished from that moment. Now, what punishment is it if you didn't take a shrua? Presumably, it means you're a goslin and you're fully liable. Lo, shrua. No, it means the onish of, if you take a shvua, that then you add the fifth. So he says, what do you mean? We're not up to that yet. How many times save for the end of it says, the ishtava, is the end talks about when you take a shvua, that you bring the chomish and the asham, the chalderesha, the low ishtava. At the beginning of this price, we're talking, you didn't take a shvua, and it still says there's some punishment. Diktani, what does the end of the price say? Seifa. The ishba al shaker, that's the pasuk. The kichishba, you denied it. And you sweared falsely. So the end of the Bryce says, Lamanu Onish. So we know the punishment for swearing falsely. You got a fifth, you bring a korban. Asarimini, where do you know you're not allowed to swear falsely in a way of denying somebody, uh, you know, somebody's claim to their property? And the end of the Pasuk is, So exactly that Pasuk in Kedoshim is saying exactly this. Don't deny that you have somebody's property and, by, and lie in that denial and swear falsely about it. So it's exactly this. Denying and swearing falsely. That's the puzzle that prohibits it. And the consequence is, you add a fifth and you bring a korban. Okay? Now, when we disfavor the Yishkaba, the end of the Bryce is talking about you take an oath and the consequence is that you add a fifth and bring a korban. Reisha below Yishkaba, the beginning when saying you're punished, is even without a shvua. So what punishment is there? It must be the punishment that you're liable, that you're a goslin. Um, you could say no. I divide the Yishkaba, the beginning and the end is you took a shvua. When it's talking about two types of punishments, it means two types of punishments based on what you did after the oath. Did you admit 
Or did witnesses come? Asu Edim, if the witnesses came, then Chayiv Onsin. Then you have to, you know, the, the, you know, then you're, okay, when you took a Shvua, you're a Goslin. Now, what's the, and, and yes, what's the punishment? The punishment for Goslin is you're liable. But that's only after the Shvua. So then why do we have two scenarios of talking about punishment? Well, if you admitted that you swore falsely, and ironically, the, shru- the, 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 the punishment is even worse. Worse. Okay? Oduye Odi, if you admitted, Chayibetan V'chomesh V'ashan, then you do the principle, the fifth, and the korban. So this practice sounds like there's a consequence just for denying. And that seems to be exactly what we're saying. Just the act of denying makes you a goslin. But the Gemara says, no. The Brite is saying there's a consequence for swearing falsely. Swearing falsely makes you a goslin. So, so why does it divide it into two cases? To tell you, if you swear falsely, then you're a goslin, you're chayev sin. That's if witnesses come. But if you swear falsely and you admit it, then, ironically, you have even a more severe punishment because then it's kapara, and then you bring a fit out of fifth and you bring a korban. Right, so what happens if you just no, and you just deny it? No consequence. You just so it's a contradiction. No, so no, it's not a contradiction. The point is, the simple sense of the bracha was a proof, and the gemara said it doesn't have to prove it. It could be talking about something else. So, the, so the claim is so neither. The, you know, we, you can't prove one way or the other. The cl- well, right now we're going to continue the sugya. So the claim is is that denying makes you a goslin. This bracha seem to prove it. It seems to say as soon as you deny there's a consequence and presumably the consequence is you're chayv in the principle and the answer is no, maybe it's talking about that you took an oath. When you take an oath you're a goslin and that's when there's a consequence but if you deny by itself you're not. So now the Gemara is going to continue to try to prove this one way or the other. Let's take a look. Mazi Rami Barchama. So Rami Barchama asked We have a Mishra in Shavuos that says that if I, Michael has to take an oath and he's not like he's a motive mix us. He has to take a shvua, okay. And you know, so and he's not able to, right? So or he says, you know, that whatever. There's a case like the person who has to take an oath, or he makes me want to take the oath anyway. And I'm not able to take the oath, okay, because I am puzzled to take an oath. And then it talks about the monetary consequences if I'm obligated to take an oath and I'm not able to, okay. But the point is, what would be a scenario where I'm not able to take an oath? So the Mishnah says, right. Okay, if I am suspect of swearing falsely, what would be a case when I've been suspect of swearing falsely? Whether there's evidence that I swore falsely uh, by testimony, meaning I definitely swore falsely in the past, and that means I can't be trusted to swear truthfully now. Okay, well, unless there's tshuva, then what constitutes tshuva? Okay, so where what is the evidence that I swore falsely in the past? Whether I swore falsely about denying testimony to somebody or I swore falsely that I had was holding on to somebody's object and I denied it in any of those cases even if it was not a shvu about mamon even if I just took an oath about something trivial right I took an oath that yes I went to the uh, I went to the Mets game yesterday and I'll swear to you that I did and then I'm lying even though it has nothing to do with money okay any type of evidence that I swore falsely makes me puzzled to take a shvu now why is that relevant for us because Mer says the following if we're dealing with the case about a picadon, why do I have to have sworn to make me puzzle? If, he, Issa, if this statement of Shmuel is correct, 
As soon as I denied, Michael said, where's my iPhone? Where's my Samsung? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I, you know, I never had it. So that, if, if, if Shmuel's statement is right, if, if Shmuel, I'm sorry, I keep on thinking Shmuel, it's Rav If Rav Shesh's statement is right, I should be, and I'm a goslin at that moment, then I'm puzzled for a Shmuel. Goslin is puzzled for a Shmuel. So why does the Mishnah say, I'm puzzled for a Shmuel, only when I take an oath that I don't have his Picardon? According to Rav Shesh's, I should be puzzled for a Shmuel from the moment I denied having his Picardon. Okay, the question's clear? All right. So as Mar says, okay, so, um, um, I no, you could say the following. What are we talking about? When Michael said, where's the iPhone? Like the iPhone, it wasn't on my possession. You know, I had lent it to my kid and he had it off in school or whatever. It was out somewhere, you know, who knows where it was. So I, that act of denying doesn't make me a goslin. Because why? Because I'm only denying because, because, because Michael's going to say, what do you mean you don't have it? I gave it to you to watch. You know, what do you mean it's somewhere else? Like, I want it now. So I don't want Michael to give me a hard time. So ironically, rather than having given me a hard time, I'm just going to, you know, lie to his face. And he knows he gave it to me. I don't know what you're talking about. But somehow that's easier because I can, there's a sense that like, I, I, I'm not really planning on keeping it to myself. I'm just buying myself time. Okay? If I have it in my possession and I can give it to him and I'm denying it, then it's only because I'm keeping it to myself. But if it's somewhere not directly in my possession, we don't tr- translate my kfira as an act of taking it. Okay? So... Even though, I mean, you let someone else take it. Yeah. Well, I gave, well, I, I, I shouldn't have given that example. I mean, the most case yeah, is it's a cow. It's a cow and it's, I didn't do anything wrong with it. Right. It's a cow and it's off grazing somewhere in the, you know, in the swamp. Okay? Okay. So, because for whatever reason I'm buying time, that's the scenario where Rafshashis did not say it. Rafshashis only said it if people could prove it was on my person when I was denying it. Okay? So, I'm asking, um, I'm not really denying it. I'm not really planning on keeping it. I'm going to just like push him off. Then I have to go and retrieve it and then I'll give it back to him. And then I can say, oh yeah, you know, I'd forgotten about it. Somehow it's easier for me to lie and deny it and then claim that I had forgotten than to say, like, I know he wants it and to say, I don't have it. And then get him to yell at me right now. Okay? So it's pretty ironic. But that's what we're saying. All right? Yes. I'll, I'll be able to get it for you. I understand. I don't understand why this is exactly true. Well, By the way, you get it for you there too. That iPhone, you know, you're supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be watching it. Yeah, I, I, I understand. I don't know why it's better to lie this way than to tell the truth. But we always know people often lie rather than tell the truth, and it would have been easier to tell the truth. Uh, By the way, though, another way you could say it, which is not exactly what the Gemara is saying, is is that it's not just that I'm buying time, so I'm not intending to keep it. But when I deny that it's Michael's, the question is, what is the act of being a goslin? It could be if it's on my property. The act of it being on my property is like an act of possessing it. But if it's not on my property, if it's somewhere in a swamp, even if I'm denying and I want to keep it for myself, where's that sense of possessing, right? Because it's not under my control at that moment. But that's not exactly what the Gemara is saying, okay? So the Gemara is saying is, yes, you're right. There are times when denying doesn't make you a goslin. That's when it's not directly in your possession, okay? The, um, okay, Teda, you should know this. If somebody denies 
Michael says, where's the hundred dollars you owe me, Dove? And I say, I don't know what the heck you're talking about, okay? And I'm lying, and witnesses prove that I'm lying. I'm still not a Gosselin. I'm still Kosher Laedus. Why? I tried to steal his hundred dollars. But I call for it because I'm Pusselatus. If I said, I don't know where your Samsung is, I'm a Pussel. What's the difference? Either way, I'm not giving him what, he, what I owe him. I'm stealing it. So the, the answer is, is that if I'm not giving him his iPhone, the only reason is, Samsung, the only reason is, is because I want to keep it to myself. And I'm a Gaza. If I don't, if I don't, if I'm denying the loan, it's because I want to buy time. Okay? Now again, why don't I just say, I don't have the money on me, I'm working on getting it, because then he's going to yell and says, that's what you've been saying for the last week or whatever, I can never trust you. Somehow I feel it's easier just to deny it now and then come back to him when I get the money. Okay? So if you're lying, even in the case of not giving somebody money that's owed to them, you're not necessarily a goslin if you're just doing it to buy time. Okay, so now the question is like this, top of Kovava Maralev. By a picado. depending on if it's in your possession or not. That's right. Yeah, but we, we're not necessarily limiting it. Right, but we're not limiting it to that case. Even if you know you could, it's enough that you're buying time. The Hammer Ilfa, but doesn't Ilfa say, so again, challenging this idea that a, uh, the question whether a Shrua it, whether whether denying makes you a goslin doesn't he also say shrua kona an oath is a act makes you possess it so we assume what that means is only when you take the oath do you become a goslin shruhu dikanya when you take the oath denying it that's when you become a goslin avakfira lo kanya the denying itself does not make you take possession so the man says no achinami dikai ba'agam yeah fine that'll be a case when the uh, cow is off in the swamp so fine that's a case there are cases is when denying doesn't make you a Gazan and you're only a Gazan at the stage of taking an oath but when it is directly on your possession and you deny that's when Rav Shesha says that you do become a Gazan at that moment the Ebaisim now we're done with Rav Shesha. we're done with this question of when do you become a Gazan at the time of denying or the time of Shrua just to warn you we're going to take a whole turn and the whole daft today now that we're on the official daft today is going to basically focus on this statement of Ilfa that Shrua is Kone but we're going to give it a very different meaning than we gave it before. Before we said it means that at the act of Shrua you become a goslin. Now be prepared for a radically different meaning of this phrase that a Shrua is Kona. The Ebay Sema... We didn't resolve... Bro. We didn't resolve. We had his claim. We had some argument. Whether we could prove it, we don't know. Like many things. Okay, the Ebay Sema, if you want, I can tell you, my Shrua Kona, what does Shrua Kona that Ilfa means? It means something completely different which we're now going to focus on. Okay, to the Rav Huna, like Rav Huna says, the Amar Rav Huna, Amar Rav, Amar Rav, somebody says, you have a hundred dollars. Michael, Michael says to me, Doh, where's the hundred dollars you owe me? Well, Omer, ain't l'chabi yadi. No, you don't have, I don't borrow any money from you, but nishpa. Sorry, this I, is a lava or this is a picado? Either way. Either way. Okay, and I take an oath. Okay, classic case in the Torah. I'm a goslin. I owe him. If I admit to it, I give him a, a fifth and a korban. The Arach bowed him. And then witnesses come and show that I was lying, that I borrowed the money. I had to be caught on. So, you know what you know what Rebunah says? Potter. I don't have to give him anything. What do you mean? I stole it with an oath and the whole thing. Shenemer, because the puzzle says, the lakach be'alav, the lo yishalem. So the point is, Michael has a claim against me. The Torah says, I take an oath and I don't pay. So obviously the shot in the Torah is, I take an oath and we assume, without any other evidence, that that oath means that I'm telling the truth and therefore I don't have to pay him. The oath got me out of my obligation because there's no other evidence at this stage. But he, Rev Huna's reading it is, once you've taken the oath about a claim, you'll never have to pay for the claim. Even if it's proven that you were lying. What about, what about the whole 
case of the Torah that the Adim comes. So the Gemara is going to deal with that. You know, how do you ever pay? What's the other case of the Torah? What's the other case when a person admits and he pays the fifth and he brings a korban? And I mean, you know, uh, 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 right. So we're going to deal with all of that. But this is like wild also. What's the Svara? You know, well, I paid you with my oath. You know, what do you mean? First of all, it was a false oath. Second of all, we're like, you know, like my, you know, like my grandmother that, used that to... And a dollar, and then the yeah, exactly. That and five dollars to get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Exactly. Like my grandmother used to say, you know, you, can't, you take the credit, I'll take the cash. Like, <laughs> what, is it, what is your oath going to do for me? Okay? But he says, no, I gave you my oath. I don't have to pay you. Okay, so this is like a radical, crazy statement. So now we're going to see if we can make any sense of this. Or at least fit it into any of the facts that we have. Okay, here it was. I swore falsely. It's proven it. Once I took an oath about a claim, I never have to pay again. Okay, goofa. So let's look at this statement. Okay, I denied it. I swore. Witnesses prove I'm lying. I'm exempt. So now we're going to try to... No, because we said it before to explain why the bright... It wasn't a contradiction to Rosh So that was just getting rid of the Rosh discussion. Now we're going to look at the claim. Okay? So Amar so so now we're going to try to come to put it and make it manageable to some degree. Amarava, Mistava Milsa Durav Bimilza. That makes sense with a, with a loan, because then at least my obligation to Michael is abstract. Now the money has been spent. Even if it hasn't been spent, it's like it's been spent. As soon as he lends me the money, he no longer owns that cash what, itself. No, but at least we can talk about, since it's not like a, my physical object is in your house, it's just an abstract debt, we can somehow say that debt gets canceled by a shrua. It doesn't make any sense. But at least it's not like my, you know, it's not like my Samsung is right there on your table. I see it there. How can you not, how can you not give it to me? It's just a debt. So I, we can cancel a debt, you know. Shemitah cancels debt, so Shavua can cancel a debt, okay? I don't know, I don't understand it, but that's at least he's trying to limit, you know, this, this crazy statement, okay? So he says... Um, it's only an abstract debt but if you gave an object to watch and the guy swears falsely that always belonged to the owner how does taking an oath make, it no, make that object no longer belong to the owner so the Lord says in, that's not true like in truth I'm a Rav Rav is saying this claim that you take a shrew you give a guy a shrew against his claim you're off the hook even if you're lying even if you have his picadon in your house. Okay? Because the pasuk is about a case of somebody gave you an object to watch. Okay? So we got this crazy claim that you're given an object to watch, you swear that you don't have it, you're lying, you're in all those things. The object, the guy's object is still in your house. He took the shrua, you're off the hook. All right? The Gemara is not going to make any, try to, going to give any logic to that. Right now, it's just trying to see, can it fit in to every, everything else we know that says that that's not true, right? Because every, you know, how, how, do you, how do you ever make a guy pay after he's taken the false shrua? Does he have a moral obligation to? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. So, so anyway, so we're going to keep on trying to make some limits to some degrees that it's manageable. Okay. Yosef Rav Nachman. 
So Rav Nachman was sitting, and telling over this position of Rav. So challenges Rav Nachman. Like, how could Rav say such a thing? Like, and here we're going to do, okay, what's the challenge? Here's a case where, Hechad Piktoni, so somebody says, like, this is a, I forgot if it's a Brighta, um, or uh, I think it's a Brighta. Anyway, somebody says, where is, where's the object that I get entrusted to you? I'm like, Avad. And I got lost. I'm like, I force you to swear to me that that's what happened to it. So I'm yes, Amen, I take a Shvua. Okay, so he's lying, he's stealing it with his, with his false oath. And witnesses testify that he consumed it, meaning that he took it for himself. So Mishalim is a Karen. In that case, he has to pay because it was witnesses. He's a Goslin and he took a false oath or whatever. But because he didn't admit it himself, he just pays the principal. Hodameatzmo, if he admitted himself, ironically, he pays more because it's for Kapara. Mishalim Karen v'chomish v'asham. He pays not only the principal, but he adds the fifth and he brings a korban. But anyway, bottom line, it's saying is this is the case in the Torah. Somebody swears. Witnesses come, they pay it. If he admits that he pays a fifth and a korban, according to Rav, he made an oath. He should be off the hook. How do you how does Rav ever have a guy paying after he took an oath? So Amalei Rav Nachman, so Rav Nachman he said to defend Rav. What are we talking about? When Rav says the oath is like payment, it's only an oath in Basin. But an oath done outside of the court, that is an oath that could make you pay, you know, th- th- that's an oath that doesn't constitute payment. Alright, so this case where you would pay the principal, or you pay a fifth and bring the korban, that's when it's outside of Basin. When Rav says the oath gets you off the hook, that's completely, that's in Basin. Amalei said one minute. Yihachi, if we're only talking here in this case of an oath outside of Basin, aim a safer. Let's look at the second case of this. Of this, I, I, it might be, actually be a Mishnah. No, I'm sorry, it's a Mishnah. It's a Mishnah coming up. Okay, let's look at the second part of the Mishnah. Hechem Piktoni, where is my uh, second scenario? Where's the object I entrusted to you? I'm a low nignav. He doesn't say it was lost, he said it was stolen. And if somebody takes a false oath claiming the object was stolen when it wasn't, he becomes the Ganav and he pays Tefel. Okay, that's the difference. Saying if it was lost or, or Nigzal and you're lying, you pay the principal. If you say it was Nignav and you're lying through a false oath, you pay Tefel. So that's what the Mishnah is talking about. Okay, Hechem Piktoni, it was Nignav. I'll take an oath. Vamar Amen, yes. And witnesses testify that he's the Ganav. You pay Tefel. But if he admits on his own, then Mishan Karen V'chomish V'asham. Then it's that classic case of the fifth and the korban. Okay. The Isalkut. Now, we have said that all these cases that the Shrua does not constitute payment are cases where it took place outside of Basin, right? Rav would say the sh- once you make the Shrua, you're completely off the hook. So, how do you explain all these cases where you wind up paying after false oath? Shrua outside of Basin. But he's going to say that can't be for this case. Why? The Isalkut. And if you say these cases of paying are outside of Basin where the Shur was, Nika Keso, you wouldn't pay Keso. Now, we haven't proven it, but we're going to sort of say, you know, when the Torah sa- speaks about uh, somebody swearing falsely about Geneva and paying Keso, that's clear, that's like, Ad Halohim Yavod Varshnehem, right? It's coming to the judges. It's very clear that that case of a Shrua about Geneva where you pay Keso is in Basin. Okay? So we've got this problem, right? We've got this Mishnah that talks about taking oaths and paying the principal, or the paying the principal and a fifth and a korban, or paying kefel. And according to Raz, any time you take an oath, you're off the hook. 
And you can't say that this is all out of based in because the Kefal case is clearly in based in. So if it's all in based in, why aren't you off the hook in all these cases? So the Gemara says, he said back to him, I could respond to you and tell you, the first case when you swear it was lost, that was outside of Basin. The second case, when you swear it was Nignov, where you pay Kefal, that was in Basin. And what we would have to say is the following. We'd have to say that when you say Nignov, I don't know if I'm losing everybody here. I think I'm losing myself. No? Okay. I'll just, let me just, here. Maybe I'm losing myself. And I need better markers. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So here's what the Mishnah says. If you say Avad, Okay, and your nishpa, and your nishpa. Okay, so Aiden comes, you pay Karen. If you're Hoda, you pay Karen, Chomish, Asham. Okay, if you say Nignav, and your nishpa, and you're lying. Okay, Aiden come, you pay Karen. Your Hoda, oh no, you pay Kefel, because you became a Ganav. Okay, and if you're Hoda, you pay Karen, Chomish, and Asham. That's what the Mishnah and says. Is, uh, yeah, Avad would also be Nigzal. Or Nenaf, anything other than Nignaf. Okay? Now, the question here is, according to Rav, anytime you took a Shrua, you should be off the hook. Okay? So we say, how could, so how could you ever be paying here? So we say, this is Chutz Lebetin. Okay? But now the Gemara says, one minute. But if it's Chutz, you would never pay Kefel, Okay? So, what we're going to say is, never take case of chutz lebeistin. So, we're going to say, okay, maybe this case is debating. Okay, maybe the safe is debating and the race is chutz lebeistin. Now, even before we say that, the question here is one minute. But we have left with the same question. If it's debating, then, then the shrua should count as payment. Why do you pay case So, there, the Gemara is implicitly saying, no, 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 no. The sh- a shrua that makes you a ganev, that makes you pay case that would be like an exception. We're implicitly assuming that would be an exception to Rav's rule. Okay? So, so this one case of paying Kefel, that's the one case that a Shrua would not count as payment. And that would be based in. But everything else would be, like even this case would be like Chutzla based in. Okay, so it's like crazy. That's a really bad answer. All of these cases where the Shrua doesn't count as payment are Chutzla based in. This one case where you're paying Kefel, that's where the Shrua is in based in and the Shrua doesn't count as payment. Okay, so they give it like this. I can answer you. To cut the bright in parts, which parts are in basin and out of basin. I'm not going to give you a bad answer. That's a good thing. Nobody likes a bad answer. So then give me a better answer. So I divide basin. Fine, it's all in basin. So we're back to the question. Why doesn't the Shrua count as payment? The Lokasha so somehow it seems like just as bad of an answer okay but it's all in Beitin okay it's all Bi Beitin and that's why there's going to be Kefau but the point is in order for the Shavua to count as payment not only does it have to be in Beitin the good judges have to impose the Shavua on you have to force you to make a Shavua but if you jumped up and made a Shavua on your own Rashi says the guy who jumped up is your litigant he jumped up and he said you know, when he said, you know, Jenna, make a shrua to me, and you make the shrua before, and the judges didn't say you had to make it. That would just happen right there in front of the judges. That for Rav would not count as a shrua, as, as payment. Okay? So, here that it is not a payment, your shrua, that's kafatz. Okay? Presumably here also, it's not a payment, it's kafatz. Here, 
the Kesel in the Torah is only in Basin and when the judges made you do it. So this is a case of Lokafa. So it's pretty much just as bad of an answer. We're cutting up the cases in the Mishnah about what type of a Shavu it is. But somehow he feels to say it's all in Basin is a better answer than say some is in and some is out. Okay, but it's obviously a very weak answer. To have these cases work for Rav, that the Shavuot isn't a payment, you have to create a special scenario that's either not in Basin or it's in Basin but not imposed by Basin. Okay, so that's what he says. Because Rav Nachman was giving all these bad answers for Rav. He said, listen, let's take a look. You don't even hold of Rav's position. So, why are you, it's so great, we have the same phrase in English, why are you mortgaging your soul, that's what it means, the mashkon is like collateral, why are you mortgaging your soul for Rav's position? It's, a, it's such a crazy idea, you don't hold for it. Why are you going out on a limb and giving these bad answers, you know, for Rav's position? So he says, uh, So he said back, um, He said back to him, Now, you know what? I'm not coming to defend Rav. I'm coming to explain Rav, to interpret Rav. The Rav This is how Rav would explain the Mishnah, which doesn't really answer the question. But he basically, it's sort of like, you know, this is the sake of Talmud Torah. It's, you know, Rav uh, presumably didn't say something that made no sense. So even if I don't hold by it, I want to understand what he was saying. I want to understand how he would explain it. Okay, that was a nice little interlude. Back to the challenges. Okay. Vaha Rav Krakamar. How can you, how can, how can somebody not hold by Rav? Rav quotes a Pasuk. Rakach Bala Take the Shvua, don't pay. Of course, the Pshat of that Pasuk means if there's no other evidence. But anyway, how do you, how would you otherwise interpret the Pasuk? No, only you could say, No, the Pasuk isn't telling you a Shvua always counts as payment. What the Torah is telling you is anytime in the, there's a biblical Shvua, the only type of Shvua the Torah imposes on somebody is a Shvua to get you out of paying. The Torah never says, I come with a claim against David. Oh, I'll take a shvuah and then the court will believe me and I'll be able to collect. The shvuah, that's, rabbinic shvuahs sometimes are like that. But Torah shvuahs never give me proof to allow me to collect. They always serve to, to allow the other side to be exempt. It's sort of like hamotzi mechaver lavaraya. You know, me making the shvuah is not enough evidence for me to be able to extract money from David. The Torah's shvuahs are always to allow the other side to take the shvuah and not have to pay. So that's v'lakach bala v'lo yishalim does not mean a shvuah constitutes payment. That's what Rav said. It means the purpose of a shvuah is to get out of paying. A shvuah is made by the side that will then not have to pay. It's not made by the side that makes the, get, is, is, that makes a shvuah and then is allowed to collect. Or maybe phrasing it as it's, it can make nothing happen but it can't make, make something happen. That's a nice way of putting it too. Okay, so call each bunch of Torah, the purpose of that is to tell you that a biblical shvuah in the Torah nishpain v'lo mishalmim okay, they take an oath and they don't pay the owners take and don't pay to tell you the principle that the only person who takes the shvuah is the person that would have otherwise paid alright, but not to tell you that a shvuah constitutes payment, back to trying to challenge Rav, Mati Rav Amnunas Rav Amnunas challenged Rav so I went ahead and I made David 
here swear five times. He denied that he had my object or my loan. I said, take an oath. He says, Amen. I said, you know what? Take another oath. He says, Amen. Five times. How many times does he have to now pay me back, right? So, the law is, and whether you took the oath in the presence of court, not in the presence of course, the kasar love, and you were denying something you really owed me. For every single oath, David, you got to bring like a chomesh and an asham, where you have to also repay, you know, the principal every time. Maybe, I, you know, that's, let's see if Raji says that. Um, hold on. Right, the principle you don't pay more than once. Okay, there's only one principle. But for every false oath, you pay another fifth and another, you bring another korban. Okay, that's, the, that's what that teaches. Now, what are we going to do with that? Why is the next oath being mechai of him? He already sort of like, you know, got off my, you know, got, you know pushed me off with the first oath. So, because even after he took the oath, David could come and, could, and confess up. So since David confessed up, even though he gave me the shrua, it's not like he still doesn't have my money. He still has my money. And therefore, because he could always admit it, and I go and I challenge him five minutes later, and he could admit at that time, taking an oath a second time is once again denying me money that's coming to me. Okay? Yes, you already took an oath, but you're still denying me my rightful claim. You still have my money, and if you would admit it, you would have to pay it. Okay? So that's why each oath is another sin. Now, we got a thing, though. What is it clear? It's clear, though, that his first oath does not get him off his liability to me, which is against Rav, right? You took an oath to me. According to Rav, you'll never have to pay me again, even if you were to admit it, okay? And this is clearly also in-based in. The hacha kafatz lo You can't say it's a case where David just volunteered the shrua and it wasn't imposed on him by Bastin. He should be The language is, you enforced a shrua on him. You made him make a shrua. And you can't give that other bad answer that it always happened outside of Bastin. So it says in the presence of the court. It says whether in their presence or not in their presence. So this explicitly is a case. The court made him take a shrua and it's clear that even after the first shrua, he still owes me the money. Pretty good proof against Rav, right? So the Gemara says, Who most love who Mepharikla? He asked it, but then he offered up his own answer. Let's start in Ktani. No, you can read this, that it's two separate scenarios. He shpiel, it says he shpielav, and it says in based in, read it or, rather than read it and. Okay, he shpielav, I forced David to make a shrua, chutzle based in, outside of based in, or scenario number two, ube based in, or it was in based in, but it was kafat, but he volunteered the shrua. Okay, so it's a really bad answer, right? It thinks it clear, sounds clear, like I forced you to take a shrua in based in, and that does not get you off the hook, and we split it to say either I forced you or in based in. But if they were both combined, you would be off the hook. Okay, so now it continues. Must um, Rav. So now Rav challenged Rav. You could tell people did not like this claim of Rav. Okay, Balabai is Shatan Tanis Gana Okay, I basically 
say, now I'll be the bad guy. David says, where's my Samsung? And I said, oh, it was Nignov. Remember that case? I say, it's Nignov. I'm swearing falsely. I become a Ganov. Okay? Vinishpa. Um, and I take a Shvua. Vahod. And then I admit it. Ubo Edim. And then witnesses come and say that I was lying. If the witnesses, if I admitted before the witnesses came, then I'm not, I don't pay Kefo. I'm a Moda Biknas. And what's the halacha about being Moda by a false Shvua? The principle, the fifth, and the korban. If I admitted only after the witnesses came, so my admission means nothing if it's after the witnesses came. In that case, okay, I pay kefel. Okay, the asham, but I also do the asham. Okay, because I pay the asham because I admitted. I don't pay the chomish. The chomish, if I'm paying kefel, right, the kefel includes the fifth. Okay, I don't have to pay an extra fifth if I'm already paying double. But because I admitted for my kapara, I bring an asham. Okay? So if the witnesses come first, they make me pay kefel because I said it was nigdav and I was lying. And if then I choose to admit, I'll bring the korban, but I don't have to pay the chomish. That's what that teaches. Now, Yehacha, once again, you cannot say this was out of basin, or you can't say I jumped up. Why? Because it's a scenario of me paying Kefo. And remember, we established before that the only time I would pay Kefo for false Shua is it was in basin and imposed by the court. And, so what do we have? We have a case. It was in basin, imposed by the court. Right? Okay? If the witnesses come, I pay Kefo. But if I admit, what did this teach? If I admitted before the witnesses come, I pay the principal. And I pay a fifth. Why is that? I gave you a shvua. Okay? So we're back to the problem. It was in court. It was imposed on me. That's clear because if the witnesses come, I'm going to pay queso. But if I admit, I still pay the principal and a fifth. So you see, my oath does not constitute payment. So the Gemara says, El Amarav. So what we're going to do is, the same way we like carved out something here, we're going to carve out the one scenario where Rav's statement couldn't be possibly not contradicted by all the evidence. Okay? So, Elam Arava, Kohode, any case where I admit that I'm, I, I swore falsely, it doesn't matter whether I was lying that it was stolen or lying that it was lost. Okay? Rav, when it said that my shvur counts as payment, was not a case when I admitted afterwards. Why not? Because the psukim are clear that that I pay then. The Torah says, if I, cons- if I confess, I pay principal. I pay the principal and fifth. So basically what saying is, any case in the Torah that contradicts Rav is not the case that Rav was talking about. So one case in the Torah that contradicts Rav is, I swear falsely and I admit, and I pay the principal and a fifth. So rather than saying that the case of Chutzlebastin or Kafat, we're just going to say, that's not Rav's case. Rav's case is not a case when I admit. When you admit, then you do pay the principal. Okay? So what's the only alternative to admitting? What's the only alternative to paying other than admitting? What's the other case when I would I pay, have to pay if I swore falsely? Either I admitted or Adim came. So, let's take a look at the Adim. If I admit, Rav wasn't talking about. Now, Toin Tainus Ganov, Ubo Adim, if I said it was Nignov and witnesses came, Nami Lo Rav. Rav also didn't say that case of Adim when I claimed it was stolen. Because the Torah has a case of paying Kefa when I was lying to Ashrua. So the Torah has all the cases, okay, except one. Okay, in the Torah, right, the Torah has, you know, Vinishba al Shaker, right? Al Shaker, then it says Vihit Vada. You know, or whatever, you know, and then it says, Chamishito, you know, and Asham, and the whole thing. Okay? So that's, okay? 
So that's one case. That's a case of shvua. Hold on. Okay. So this is a tainus of of nignav, and this is a tainus of avod or anything else. Okay. Any other taina? Anything else? Okay. So in a case where I was hitvadan, the Torah tells you you pay a fifth, and you know tells you you pay. So Rav wasn't talking about those cases because the Torah is clear when you admitted. Right, whatever. The other scenario is witnesses came, but the Torah says if witnesses came and you're nigna, the Torah says shnayin yishalem. Okay, so Rav wasn't talking about that. Okay, so the only case left for Rav to be talking about, I, I guess I should have done like this. Okay, the Torah says here when you're hitvada, the Torah says chomesh and asham. Okay, that's in the Torah, chomesh and Asham, right, when it's Hitvada. So Rav wasn't talking about this, he wasn't talking about Adam and Ignav, that was Shnayim. The only case that Rav was talking about that your Shavuah counts as payment is you, cl- you, you, you took an oath that it was something other than Ignav and witnesses came. The combination of that is the one case the Torah isn't explicit about what the consequence is, and that's the case where the oath would count as payment. We can't just do anything like you take the oath and I understand. That's pshat of the psukim. Your oath, you, because you took the oath, you don't have to pay unle- until any other evidence comes to light. Your oath counts for now, right? That's pshat. But Rav's claim is your oath counts as payment. But it can't be any of these cases. The only case left is not Nignov and witnesses came. Okay? So, Nami Lama Rav Daksi Teshumikev. Ki Kamarav, Ki Gon Shetoin Tainas Avad, Vinishpa, Vlohoda, Uboedim. Okay? The one case. It was Allah and witnesses came. That's the one case not in the Torah. That's the case that your sure counts. The Gemara says, Allah So Gamda went and told this over to Ravashi and said that Rava try, is trying to explain Rav like this in this way, to limit him to this one case. So Amarle, he said back to him, Hashta, Rav Hamnuna was Rav's student. And if you remember, Rav Hamnuna asked from one of the cases before, from the Mishnah, where the guy basically, you know, where it says he was, you know, if you take multiple shvuas, right, you're high for each one because you could admit in the middle. Remember that bright that we asked from? Right, remember that? When David, you took five shvuas to me and you're high for each one? And it says because you could have admitted in the middle. So, and he said, oh, but why would admitting have made you high if Rav said you're potter? Well, according to you, any case of admitting, Rav wasn't talking about. Rav wasn't talking about scenarios of admitting. So why did Rav Hanuna, who was Rav's student, challenge him about this case that you could have admitted between each shvua? Clearly he understood that Rav was said as a lacha, even in a case where somebody admitted. Okay? Umar Rav Hanuna talmidei de Rav, the Rav Hoda. He knew that Rav said as a lacha, even in the case of admission. The Kamosi Voda, because he was asking from the case of taking five shruas and the ability to admit in between. So clearly he understood that Rav was talking about a case of Hoda. And you think that Rav didn't say the case of Hoda? So the fact that all the evidence contradicts Rav is one thing. But let's not misrepresent what Rav was saying. Okay? Rav was saying his case even in the case of Hoda. No, no, no. We actually like this answer about Rav. We would like to say that Rav was not contradicting these cases and so on, was only talking about this. So if Rav was not saying his case in a case of Hodeh, what was the challenge from the idea of David taking five shuas that he could have been Hodeh in, Mode in between? If Rav would have said, Rav would have conceded in that case that if you were Mode, you'd be Chayev. Why was Rav Hamnuna asking for that? Here's what Rav Hamnuna was asking. 
Because when I made David take a trua and he swore, okay, falsely, what would have been the case if witnesses would have come, not if he would have admitted? So this is exactly the case that Rav says David would have been putter. Okay, he's nishba, it's not about Geneva, and witnesses came. Okay, you got this? So this is the case that if witnesses came, you'd be putter. If you admit, you'll be chayev. But if witnesses come, you'll be putter. So he said, here was his question. If you would say Rav is wrong, and if witnesses came, David would be chayev. That's why he has to pay to bring a korban for his, you know, shvuah is number two, three, four, and five. Because he's using, that shvuah is denying me something that I have rights to, and that I could bring witnesses to prove I have rights to. Because he could admit his ability to admit means that it's like it's so Rashi says here is the ability to admit in this framing is not does not mean that um, what do you call it that whether it would have made you pay or not the key is you were denying me my rightful money and if I would have brought witnesses you would have had to pay your ability to admit in between just means that each shvua is seen as a separate shvua every shvua is a separate decision to lie again if you want to do it that way right anytime you could have admitted at any time doesn't mean that that because you would have admitted you would have had to pay me and you're stealing money with each shvua it means because you could have admitted each shvua is a new lie it was a new opportunity for you to tell the truth and it was a new lie and it was a new shvua and that's why it's five separate shvuas but the reason you're paying is because witnesses could have proved that you owed me the money and your shvua was getting you out of a real debt you had to me okay so if Rav would say so if witnesses came you'd be high of not like Rav I understand why every shvua you'd have to pay okay but if witnesses came you'd be exempt right if Rav was saying was true so me so the, and the only way you'd have to pay is if you would admit but if I would mamish bring witnesses then you'd be exempt in that case could there be any case that if I were to bring witnesses if Rav was saying the truth and you swore and you brought witnesses you'd be off the hook and we should say that you'll have that your shvua makes you obligated in another korban just because you could have admitted so right now you're not admitting okay so what basically is a little confusing but basically what that was saying is the following is the only way we're able to make sense of Rav is to say he's talking the one case is the case about Adam after a Tainus Avad everything else is contradicted by the cases in the Torah why was Rav Hamnuna asking about this case of admitting if Rav never said it's Allah in a case of admitting because Rav Hamnuna, because that's right it really wasn't about admitting this is the way Rashi says it admitting was just saying that each Shrua was a separate lie okay but what that was really about is he was really saying I get if Rav is wrong and witnesses would make you pay each Shrua is another act of stealing money but if if Rav is right and witnesses would not make you pay, then how could you have a scenario that even if you had witnesses, you wouldn't have to pay and your shvua is seen as somehow a new act of stealing the money if you would even be off the hook even if witnesses were to come. Alright, so we've explained Rav Hamnuna's question in order to let us claim that Rav's position is as limited as possible. So this was a very long discussion to deal with a bizarre claim of Rav which is contradicted not only by all the evidence in the Torah but also by just simple logic. 
logic. Why should a false shrua get you off the hook from a real debt? Okay, and not only a debt. Rashi says even if the ob- the Torah says Gemara says even if the object is in your possession. So the best we were able to do was limit Rav to to you know to one out of the four scenarios. But basically, obviously, people are not happy with Rav. So tomorrow we will pick up, thankfully, with a new topic. <laughs>